tonight. I want you to stand with me. We're going to read from chapter 2, and uh, we're going to see some things, and I'm going to bring you a message. And I trust you'll pray. I believe you'll be glad you came. If God will touch us. Now, if God don't touch us, why? Well, you might as well stay at home. I mean, if the Holy Ghost comes, well, if the big preacher comes, well, we'll have a time. Say, why, you lot will get wild. I may. Glory to God. I'll tell you, I may. I'm glad I like it more than it gets wild. I know some of you don't. I, I like it. I don't mind if they ride piggyback if they live or what they ride. Amen? This God, I don't care. I, I tell you, I've always been this way, and I believe that's the way it ought to be. Now, Ruth chapter 2. I'm going to read there, and the first thing it says in that first verse, it mentions a man named Boaz. This is the first time in the book of Ruth that Boaz is mentioned. And I want you to listen what he said about Boaz the first time that Boaz is mentioned. Listen to what the Bible said. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's mighty man of wealth. First thing he said about him, he was wealthy. Now listen, my heavenly Boaz owns it all. You may think, yes, sir, your heavenly Boaz owns it all. All that was made was made. The earth is the Lord's. And the Bible said he's a wealthy man, the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Mobistress said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field, and glean ears of corn after him whose sight I'll find grace. <coughs> if you don't find grace, you'll die and go to hell. Because that's the only way you're going to get there is grace. You law keepers ain't going to make it, and I'll tell you not. That's what the Bible said now. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned the field after the reapers. And her half was to light on a part of the field, belonging unto Boaz. <coughs> now listen. Who was of the kindred of the Limelech? The Bible said she went to the field owned by Boaz. <coughs> that wasn't an accident. That was a leading of the Spirit of God. Look what the next verse says. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. By the way, Bethlehem is not mentioned after the birth of Christ. After the birth of Christ. You know why? Bethlehem means house of bread. And when the living bread was born, they didn't need the house. So after, praise God, Jesus was born, you'll never read the word Bethlehem. You'll read all about Capernaum and Jerusalem. You'll never even think about Bethlehem. Look with me, please. And said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. I like that. I like that. You know what I do in Atlanta for a pastime a long time? I go down the White Oak Street. You know what that is? Jews. They got little funny noses. They're usually hateful. But I just walk around, slap them on the back, and say, God bless you. You say, Why? God said to Abraham, I'll bless them that bless thee, and I'll curse them that curse thee. That's literal. I take a lot of this. Brother, I don't, I don't, I just believe I'll, God will bless me if I'll bless him Jews. I'll just go down there and slap them on the back and say, God bless you. And they said, bless thee. Now look at the next verse quickly. And then was said Boaz unto his servant, that was said over the reapers, whose damsel is this? But I ain't seen her around here. Who is this little girl? And the servant that was said over the reapers answered, and said, It is a Movistress damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And he said, and she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. And so she came, 
and hath continued even from the morning until now, and she tarried a little in the house. Now, because of time's sake, I want you to look at one more verse. I'm going to let you be seated. Bible said in verse 16, would you look at it? And let fall also some handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. Now, folks, I don't know where you appreciate what I'm going to say or not, but I hope you do. There was somebody in your life a long time before you ever knew the Lord that came along, and you know what? Got in your path and dropped a few handfuls for you. I'm glad God sent some old mountain preachers ahead of me. Glory to God. And you know what they'd do? They'd drop a handful on purpose. And I got news for you. You granddaddies and grandmothers, you better drop some handfuls on purpose than grandkids. Listen, you're in this life, you better get that path, and you better walk along, throw a few handfuls on purpose. Would you be seated all the house? We're going to pray, Father, we thank you for every blessing. You've been wonderful. Oh, God, don't let us come tonight and feel your spirit and enjoy your blessings. Uh, now, I pray in Jesus' name, God, you'll have your way. And whatever's accomplished, dear Lord, we'll praise you. Because we ask it in Jesus' name. Uh, amen and amen. Beloved, I want you to look this way. And for a few moments, I want to speak on love at first sight. Uh, all of the scriptures that I've ever read, none thrill me more uh, than the romance of Boaz toward a little pagan girl, Ruth. This story is a marvelous story of love. Now, we've been so mixed up with Hollywood, and so we don't know what real love is. But I'm glad, glory to God, I know a love that's inexplainable. I know a love, mister, that man cannot explain. But the story here is about a Bethlehem family that went down into a strange place called Moab. According to the Word of God, Moab's God's wife. Spot. And they went down there and stayed for ten years, although some didn't get back. They paid the price of getting out of fellowship with God. And may I say this, when you leave Bethlehem for your life, or the will of God for your life, mister, you're going to be in trouble. And they left and went down to Moab. And down there in Moab, you come to two main characters. And may I speak to you in this story about those two main characters. First of all, there was a girl named Ruth. She was a Gentile. She was a girl that lived as a stranger to God. She was an outcast. This little girl named Ruth had no knowledge of a holy God, had no knowledge of the God of this Bible. But up in Bethlehem, there was a kinsman redeemer, and his name was Boaz. And the Bible said he was a mighty man of and he was a kinsman, redeemer plus a royal prince. And so the scripture says, uh, the story unfolds like this. I'll try to give you an outline of the four chapters quickly. In chapter 1, we see how Ruth was sought. In chapters 2 and 3, we see how Ruth was taught. And in chapter 4, we see how she was bought. I'll never understand why he bought me, but I'm glad he did. Praise God. God, I've been bought with a price. I never understood why God bought you with His precious blood. But brother, He bought you. You're not an accident, mister. He paid for you at Calvary. And the thing's been paid in full. And what a blessing it is. But if you'll study how God sought Ruth, there are five links in the chain of grace that brought this little girl to her Boaz. 
Five links in the chain of Greece. The first link, there was a famine in the land of Bethlehem. Now that's tragic because it was a house of bread. There should have been plenty to eat. But there was a famine. I'll tell you when you go to church, it's a shame if you go to church tonight where there's no bread on the table. Oh, it's the house of bread. I want you to know, mister, the Bible said, but in that house, there was a famine. You say, what's that got to do with Ruth? Ruth didn't know anything about that famine. God was working on the other end. I want to tell you something, mister. Before I was ever saved, God was working on the other end. And what a blessing it is to see God work in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. I'll tell you, God's working. And God worked on both ends. But He took a famine. Now, I could say a lot about that, but let me say something quickly. Bible said in the book of Amos, there'll be a famine of the hearing of the Word of God. I hear people say, people in Knoxville are hungry for the Word. Not as much as you think. I'll tell you, they're, they're not flocking to hear the Word. Oh, but listen to me. If you're saved, you can't eat off of anything or enjoy anything. Programs and shindigs will not feed your soul. Bless God, you'll have to hear. Thus saith the Lord. And you'll feast off of the living bread. And you'll feast Stop the Word of God. And what a blessing that is. So watch. Bible said there's a famine. And a lady said to me in Atlanta, she said, Preacher, there's going to be a famine in Atlanta. I said, well, I'm not worried. I said, God's going to feed me. God's going to take care of me. And I said, I'm not worried. You know what she said? She said, they tell me there won't be but one cracker left. What are you going to do? I said, I'll be on one end nibbling, honey. God say, sure, that's your name's what it is. God's going to take care of His people. So the first link in the chain of grace... She was sought by a family. Secondly, she was sought by a family. And they were out of fellowship with God. And yet God used that family. Let me tell you something. God can use a family. And I, I want God to use my family. Oh, it's blessed to see a little family pull up to a filling station and have the family there with their Bibles. And that filling station attendant say, y'all must be church folks. Y'all must be Christians. And the dad say, yes, we love Jesus and we're a family. As for me in my house, we'll serve God. And brother, nothing is so blessed as a family that's saved and dedicated to the cause of Jesus Christ. Nothing is so sweet as a little girl. And I never had a girl. Nothing so sweet as a little girl come to church with a mom and dad with a little Bible. Well, you say she don't know, but it ain't going to hurt her. Let it, let it rub off on her. Bless God, clean up a child in the way she should go or he should go. And when he's old or she's old, she'll not depart. And the Bible said this family. You know what this family did? I'm going to show you something. Every once in a while, after Oprah and Ruth got into the family, Holy Limelech could say, I remember those good days. <laughs> oh, and, and Ruth would say, tell me about them. Oh, he'd say, you ought to know our God. Oh, he's gracious and kind and faithful. You ought to know our God. And they get to talking about those good old days. Now, let me say something to you. It's wrong to idolize good old days. I've heard folks say, Granny, shouting her hair down. In the good old days, if she's got enough on 
my head she can still shout them down. That's God the good old days. I'll tell you the Holy Ghost. It's just as real. That's the good old days. The Bible hadn't changed. God hadn't changed. And God wants to bless. But this little old family, and Elimelech could say, Naomi, you remember when we heard God? We'd go to the temple and us. Oh, we'd go and hear God. And she'd say, yeah, wouldn't you like to hear Him again? Wouldn't you like to hear from heaven? And Ruth would say, tell me more. Well, he said, honey, it's blessed to be with our God. I want to tell you the greatest privilege that I've ever known. I get up every morning and He walks with me. And He talks with me. And He tells me I'm His own. Now, my wife never shouts so much. I'm a shouter. I'm a shouter. I was preaching to the Independent Georgia Baptist Fellowship in Forest Hills the other day, the largest Baptist independent church in Georgia. And there's preachers out all over Georgia. And I said, listen, you know what's wrong with us independents? I said, bless God, we're drying the last year's burn's nest. And I said, the Holy Ghost will hit some of you guys. You wouldn't know what had happened. And I said, I'm one of these old boys from the old school. That's new stuff, not for me. Praise God, I'm with the old crowd that believes something and stands for something. And that's where it ought to be. My wife didn't shout, but we was in the Garden of Gethsemane a few years ago. A little couple from Alabama, or Duet, from Birmingham, walked up while my wife was kneeling. And they started singing, I come to the garden alone. My wife started just booing. And I heard her cry out, and I slipped over and put my arm around her. And she said, to think he walks with me. He talks with me. And brother, she took her hands and put it in her face and walked away shouting because of that fellowship, that communion that you can have with the Holy God through the blood of the Lord Jesus when you make mine. There's that fellowship. Let me tell you, God drew this little girl named Ruth first with the family, second with the family, number three with the funeral. Sometimes it takes a funeral. I'd hate to wait till a funeral brought me to church. Oh, I'm so glad. Glory to God. <laughs> you know, I'm glad that God saved me. And most of my life I've been preaching and shouting the victory. And I told my wife, I said, I don't want you to do much in the funeral. Oh, I said, listen, I'm glad I didn't wait for a coach, a funeral coach to bring me to the house of God. I told you about that good undertaker friend of mine up in North Georgia. <clears throat> he said to me one day, my wife was in there with him. He said, Mace, Dennis has been real good. He said, if it's this good when you die, God will get your funeral free. And my wife said, hallelujah. And I said, y'all quit shouting over my death, bless God. I'm not dead yet. Listen to me, funeral. Isaiah said, in the year your king Uzziah died. Oh, I, I saw the Lord. I went down to the temple and I saw God high lifted up. Some people have to wait till a casket that brings them to God. That's a sad time for a casket or funeral to bring you to God. So the Bible says, there's three funerals. Elimelech, Maon, and Chilon. That is what the book says. And boy, the third or the fourth thing, the key or the leak in that chain of grace, not only did a funeral, but the fourth thing, fear. She stood there at that graveside. Naomi turned around and said, Oprah, 
You and Ruth go back to your gods and back to your people and said, I'm too old to have another child, a man child for either of you. Go back! And I see old Oprah kiss her on the cheek and say, I'm going back. Little old Ruth stood there fearful. Let me tell you something, mister. I don't believe people get saved until they fear a holy God and they fear hell and they fear judgment and they fear eternity, mister. This little bit is getting folks down and leading them down the Roman road. You're going to send more to hell than you've ever dreamed in your life. There's got to be a Holy Ghost conviction and there's got to be a complaining of the power of God. And I want to tell you, brother, when the Holy Ghost really gets a hold of you right, uh, you won't have anybody have to twist your arm. You'll climb a telephone pole backwards to get to Jesus uh, when you get under Holy Ghost conviction, brother. Oh, yes, that's what he'll do. Fear. Ruth looked over. Naomi, she said. Naomi. Naomi said, Ruth, go on back to your people now. And that little old girl's heart just trembled. She said, no, entreat me not to leave thee. Wherever thou goest, I'll go. Thy God shall be my God, and thy people shall be my people. And where you die, I want to be buried. I want to tell you a fear out of her heart. She's afraid to go back. Afraid to go back. And not watch this, I want to show you something. We sing Amazing Grace and leave out the best, best verse in there most of the time. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, but I like the rest of it. And grace my fears relieved. I want you to know, rest God, it's the grace of God that will relieve your fear. What a blessing it is. But then the fifth leak, part of it's in the second chapter. Not only was there a fear, but there was a field. And two uh, widows get back to Jerusalem. And as they go back, uh, this little girl walking along with her mother-in-law. And some little girl ran out and said, Hey! Hey, Naomi. And Naomi said, Call me not Naomi. Call me Mara. That means the Lord had dealt with me bitterly. I went out full, and the Lord had brought me home again empty. Oh, she said, hear me. I tell you, the Lord had dealt bitterly with me. And that little old girl walking along couldn't understand it. But they got to their little hut somewhere there that they had for the retirees are with us. And there in that little shack, Naomi said, honey, You'll have to go pick up the scraps, and we'll live off of the scraps. You go tomorrow morning, and you'll find a field. Glory to God. I'm glad that field was prepared before eternity. Woo! And the Holy Ghost said, you'll find the field. And I found it, and glory to God, it's been a blessing. Next morning, that little girl gets up and says, now, honey, you stay here. I'll go and glean all day that we might have something to eat. And she goes and gets to that field of Boaz. And she begins to glean. And while she's a-gleaning, the most handsome man she'd ever seen. She'd never seen him. I like him. I want to tell you, when I first saw the Lord, by the witness of His Word and the Spirit of God, Crawford, I'd never seen anybody like Him. Oh, you hear me? When you see Jesus, you'll know who He is. 
lady asked me down Atlanta one night, I preached on the three Hebrew children. She said, how did that wicked old king know who the fourth man was? I said, lady, that's easy. If you ever see him, you'll know him. Praise God. And what a blessing it was. You say, preacher, what happened? What's this? And Boaz stood up at the end of the row. And he said to a servant, he said, uh, who is that little damsel down there? And he said, why, she's just an old Moabite girl, a pagan. She is a nobody, an outcast. She's Ruth the Moabitess, daughter-in-law of Naomi. And when she said that, he looked down. <laughs> and when he looked down, she looked up. <laughs> and the chemistry of love took place. <laughs> I remember Brother Roy when I looked up. <laughs> and he was looking down at me. <laughs> Let me tell you, I never got away from it. It's love that first her. When he looked down and I looked up, <laughs> I want to tell you it was love. And he said to that servant, said, go before her. <laughs> She's not going to have to pick up no scraps. You get some handfuls on purpose. <laughs> Woo! Praise God. You go along, drop her, man, she'll pick them up. And boy, she was walking along, gleaning, and the man got in front of her, and he'd throw her back a handful. Oh, every once in a while, I'd get in the valley. I'd get down. Every once in a while, I feel like quitting. I know you other preachers haven't, but I do. And the Holy Ghost will get in front of me, and he'll throw me a handful back. And he'll say, Mace, pick up the handful. That's on purpose, and keep on going. I want to tell you, you couldn't do it. I tell you, a preacher couldn't stand the pressure. Today, if you didn't get a handful every once in a while from heaven by the Holy Ghost, a mother couldn't stand the pressure. A man couldn't stand the pressure today. And you know, after sun was going down, she loaded those arms up. Boy, she came running to the house where Naomi was. And she said, Hallelujah! I'm rejoicing, I'm rejoicing. Let me tell you, when you see him, bless God, you'll rejoice. From that day on, you'll never be... Oh, you'll, you'll never get to the place that you can't go back and rejoice on that first love sight you had of Jesus. And she ran in, and Naomi said, Why are you happy? Oh, she said, Two reasons. Two reasons, Mother. I'm happy, first of all, because I didn't have to bring anything but the best home. I'm glad when Jesus saved me, He said, you'll eat no more scraps. <laughs> oh, you'll have the best of the Father's table. You'll have the best that heaven can afford. You'll have the best, mister. And I'm glad I have had the best. Oh, I don't complain. Listen to me, I don't have to complain. If he never blesses me again, he's blessed me enough already. Bless this wonderful name. Now watch this on Joseph. And she said, the second reason I'm shouting, she said, have you ever seen him, Naomi? If you ever see him like I saw him, I looked up and he looked down. And our eyes met in love. It overtook my heart for that man. Said, I've never seen anybody like him. Oh, she said, I, I'm so glad that you met a kinsman redeemer. So there we have the first key of the story of Ruth. How she was sought. And I, I won't preach too long. Let's go to the second point tonight. 
how she was taught. It's not enough to lead a man to Jesus, brother. You're to teach him the ways of the Lord. And brother, we're to preach to those that are saved as babes that they might grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're to grow. I could tell you a lot of things that Naomi taught Ruth, but she taught her three things. Write them down. Would you do it? Margin your Bible. First, she taught her her new relationship. She reached over and probably peached that little old dark skin. She looked like an Indian, probably. Somebody had been out in the sun. Peached her and said, Naomi. Naomi said, honey, you're not a Moabite anymore. You're not a pagan. Honey, there's a new relationship you have now. <laughs> Bless God, I'm not an outcast anymore. I want to tell you something. I've got a new relationship. I'm in the family of God. And God's my Father. And Jesus is my older brother. And the Holy Ghost is my comforter. And the devil's not my 42nd cousin anymore. Say amen, brother. We're in the family of God. And what a blessing it is to be in God's family. I never will forget. The time I heard that song better than I've ever heard it in my life. And I've heard some pretty good singers. Little old boy in overhauls, little old mountain church, got up one night. Preacher said he loves you, Maze. He wants to sing for you before you, you preach. And that little old boy got up in his overhauls. <coughs> he said, I ain't never been to Harley Alice County. But I want to sing for Brother Maze. I'm in the family of God. <laughs> oh, that little old boy got to singing, I'm in the family of God. <laughs> I'll tell you, those overhauls just vanished. I could see a robe. <laughs> he didn't have a hat on, but I could see a crown. <laughs> Woo! I said, glory to God. To as many as received him, to them he gave power. To become the sons of God. Now we are the sons of God. There's a new relationship. <laughs> Good to be in the family of God. She taught her a new relationship. Secondly, she taught her new riches. Not only her relationship, but her riches. She was, she, she, <laughs> boys had plenty. Boys, Second Corinthians 8 verse 9 said, We know how he who was rich became poor, that we through his power might be rich. I'm rich in grace. I'm rich in love. Oh, I'm rich in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're rich. Listen, you have riches untold. Riches untold. You never realized it. You know why? You are heir with God now and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. If I ask you something in just a minute, listen to me. If I ask you something, 90% of the people raise your hand. Now, I don't know why my wife and I, we've been married 41 years. I don't know why we've never done this. I don't, I don't know where we, she doesn't think we have enough money to do it or what, but we don't, have never done it. We don't have a joint checking account. If you're here tonight and you've got a joint checking account with your wife, you know what that means? If you've got money up there in the bank, she can sign it or you can sign it. And they'll honor it. Well, I've got something better to tell you than that. When I got saved, me and Jesus is on the same checking account. Praise God! I'm an heir with God and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. And you don't have to worry. Heaven can cover any check. Thank God. Our riches in the Lord. All He has, we have. Woo! I like that. All He has, we have. Not only did she teach her 
her new relationship. And preachers, you need to teach your people their new relationship with God. Not only her riches, but she taught her how she could rest. You know what's the matter? Most people, brother, say they're Christians. They're so nervous to eat your finger, fingernails from up to the elbows. Now listen to me, brother, there is a rest. And I'm glad I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. The sail, the wild seas, no more. Oh, you talk about a blessing tonight. You listen to me, I'm glad that there is a rest. Sometime when you have a chance, you, you turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Now watch me. You don't have to do it now. Listen to me. And read the first nine verses. And seven times in that fourth chapter up to the ninth verse, seven times, you'll find the little word R-E-S-T. Seven times. You know what it says the seventh time? Verse nine. It said, Therefore, there remaineth the rest for the people of God. Oh, there's a rest that only God's people have. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Did you ever come to church so tired? You said, Lord, I hope they don't stand when we sing that next song. I don't know whether I can stand or not. Had you ever come to church when you're so tired? You couldn't hardly speak to the one next to you. And after a while, the Holy Ghost moved all around you and on you. And listen, you had a rest, bless God. You, you went out of that church, uh, and you felt like you'd been in bed for six months resting. <laughs> oh, that's a spirit of rest that God's people need. A rest. And what a blessed thing it is. Now, what's his own Jerusalem? And Naomi said tonight when he goes to sleep, you go in and get at his feet, and you'll find a rest. <laughs> that you never had before. You'll find a sweet rest. And that little girl named Ruth went and knelt at the feet of Boaz and found a rest she didn't know existed. My Bible said, Come unto me all, you the labor. And a heavy lean, I will give you rest. There's a rest tonight. We need to teach our people where to find rest. We need to teach our people uh, oh, the riches uh, and the relationship to the Lord. I could go on, but let me come to the last point. I don't we see how she was sought and then how she was taught, but we see how she was bought. Brother, you, you know what Brother Crawford said? He's the only one that mentioned it. He said, I know who, <laughs> uh, which one of the boys Ruth married. Did anybody go home and study it and find out? All right, look. Look, at look. And I didn't know it. I, I, and I preached all kind of Bible schools and Bible colleges, and I've never found a one. Uh, we sat yesterday for breakfast, and I ate with Dr. Mark Cameron. He used to be in temple. And he's a good Bible man. In fact, he's got one of the best books on theology I've ever read. But you hear me? I asked him, and he didn't say nothing. <laughs> He'd read Ruth 49 times. I knew. But you know what it says in chapter 4 in the ver- and verse 10? It says, and he purchased Ruth to be his wife, the wife of Mahon. You see, he, she married Mahon, and Oprah married Chilon, but Ruth married Mah- Now listen to what happened. She owed so much from her husband's death. They were still on the records down in Moab. But you know what Boaz did? He went down to the records. 
Thank God He bought those records and paid ever since. That was against her. Let me tell you something. My record was great, and I was bankrupt, and I owed everybody. But 1,900 years ago, my Boaz from heaven died upon a cross, and he said it's finished, and he paid my debt in full. He paid the debt for you. He paid the debt for me. And Boaz purchased her. Purchased her. I never forget. Let me give you this, and I'll close in a moment. I won't keep you long every night. I'll give you the Word of God and let you go. Brother Harold Sock, I was with him the other day in a meeting about a month ago. Harold said, there's one thing I don't understand, how you got such a pretty wife. I said, really? I said, she saw me on the bus and ran it down. <laughs> I'm not sure what she did. <laughs> and that's not quite right. <laughs> She worked in a bank. I used to hang around the bank so much I thought I was vice president of the CNS Bank over in Clemson. But I never will forget. I used to have a fellow me, Presbyterian. Presbyterian. And it, now you say, did you know the Bible? He could quote every word in the book of Revelation, all 22 chapters. Every word of it. And he could quote Isaiah. Man, I told him, I said, Brother Prescott, I believe you can quote all the whole 66 uh, chapters in Isaiah. He could quote it, quote it, quote it, quote it. But he loved me, and why he did, I don't know. And he used to play one of his harps that you'd pluck. I forget what they call them. And he'd go with me, and I'd get the old dead Baptist churches, and he'd jump up and go to dancing and playing that harp. You say, why? I couldn't get the Baptist to grunt, and I took me a Presbyterian along. The dance a little while. And brother, we shouted the victory. But he said to me, May Jackson, you're a pastor in a full-time church, and you're not qualified. I said, that's not. Oh, he said, it's not. He said, the Bible said, if you have one wife, you ain't got no wife, and I'm going to pray you'll get a wife. I said, be sure you pray she's good looking. He said, oh, that's flesh, lad. I said, well, I'm still in the flesh, praise God. <laughs> and you know what? I'm not kidding you. He'd get down, Lord, he said, I love Mays. Oh, God, he's doing the best he can for what he knows. And I was. I didn't know much, but I was doing the best I could. And he'd say, God, make Brother Mays willing to take an ugly wife. And you know what I'd pray? I'd pray this prayer. If he'd get through, I'd say, Lord, I do need a wife. But I read in the Bible where Abraham's wife was fair to look upon. Jacob's wife was beautiful. And I said, remember me in these last days. Praise God. That's what I pray. And oh, you hear me. Well, listen to me. I went in that bank where she was working. And I said to her one day, I said, listen, I want you to go with me hear me preach. And she said, I've got my church. Some of you remember 30-something years ago when I came to Knoxville. Bless God, I'd preach on a piano half the time or in the other half. And I wasn't ashamed. I'm still not ashamed. But I got her to go with me up to Winsboro, the Baptist church, up our mill church. And boy, I'll tell you, we had us a time. She'd never been anything like that. Oh, she said, Mays, I was saved. Listen to Charles D. Fuller. Well, I was in a cotton patch. We had an old battery radio, and Daddy brought it out there, and I was picking cotton. And they're singing, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And that old man came on and said, Jesus wants to save somebody right now. And she said, I cried out, and Jesus saved me. And while we had a time, eight months after that night, we were married. In the church I pastored, we were married. But I could only say one thing to my wife. When she came down that aisle, 18-year-old girl, isn't it me? She didn't have a wrinkle. She didn't have a blemish. She didn't have a wart. 
Monday, a week ago, she was 60 years old. Please don't tell her I told you. She don't have a wrinkle. She don't have a blemish. She don't have a wart. Now, she didn't even wear any kind of makeup till she met me. And I said, I think you need to put a little on. But she don't have to put it. She's one of them kind don't have to. Now, some of these need a lot of it. I'll tell you to come. But she didn't have to. And you know what? Oh, I remember I walked down that aisle that night, and when that old preacher of mine said, Who gives this woman away? My father knows said, I do. I reached over and took her by the hand. I said, God, I love you. That's all I could say. But you hear me. Boaz walked down the aisle, took Ruth by the hand, and said two things. Said, Ruth, I love you. But I bought you. I purchased you. There's going to be a wedding in the sky. And the Lord Jesus is going to say two things to the bride. He's going to say, I love you. And gave myself for you. He said, I love you. And I took my blood and bought you with a price. Oh, thank God he purchased his bride. And what a blessing it is. He purchased his bride. Let me give you this now close. Years ago, up in Ohio, some of our best stations in Ohio, we're on several stations in Ohio, but listen, that's not here. Let me tell you something. Ohio, got a captain in Columbus. It's in the heart of that state. And several years ago, a young Christian man married a lost girl. That's bad. You see, when you unequally yoke together, that's bad. They may mean well, but that's bad. The Bible said, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I don't care how clean he is, and I don't care how clean she is, and virtuous she is. It's bad for you to yoke up with somebody that's not a Christian. And he married this girl over objections of his old dad. But he was a very wealthy young man, inherited a fortune. And all he wanted to do was go to church, talk to people about Jesus. And she'd go and cringe and sit there and make faces at church. And one day, he came home from the plant that he owned. And she had written him a Dear John letter. She said, you're the kindest man I ever met. said, I want to tell you, it's not because you're mean. You're too good for me. And said, all you want to do is talk about Jesus. And I don't want to talk about Jesus. And all you want to do is go to church. I want to go to the beer joints and the honky-donks. And she said, don't try to find me. I'll not break your heart. I'll leave you alone. And she went away. When he got home, read the letter there, the dear John letter, he called the sheriff. And the sheriff said, I'm sorry. <coughs> Until she's gone 24 hours, we can't even put out a, a missing person. said, you call me back tomorrow. She's not there. But he got out all night and <laughs> took his car down and didn't find her. He called the sheriff and the militia and the highway patrol, and for weeks they looked for her. Never could find her. He never gave up hope. He'd go to that window in her bedroom every night and kneel and say, God, someday I'm going to get her back. And I'm going to forgive her. I don't care what she's done. She's my bride. I'm going to forgive her. And finally, after two years, he had 5,000 posters with a picture on it. Paid a man to go to every truck stop and beer joint and honky-tonk and everything else and put up a picture. And here's what he said. 
If you know the whereabouts, if you ever see this woman, call this number and you'll receive $5,000. No question that you call this number. Two years had gone by and an old drunk walked in a beer joint over there in Florence, Kentucky, right out of Cincinnati. And sat down on the stool and looked over in the wall and there was that girl's picture. A woman's picture walked over and looked at it. Mama, five thousand dollars. Boy, I'd like to have that. He walked around to sit down in another place and he saw her sitting there. He said, Oh my, I want to take me five thousand dollars. And he looked at her and her eyes were bleary and her face was terrible. And she is an alcoholic. And he said, I was gonna call that number over there. And she didn't see it from me. And she said, Grab tire that up, tire that up. Please don't call him. I'll break his heart. Please don't call him. Please don't call him. It touched that old drunk. And he said, if you'll tell me why, I won't call him. And if you'll tell me the second thing, I won't call him. She said, I'll tell you why. He said, she said, he's more like an angel than anybody I've ever seen. And said, I left him because I was breaking his heart. And when he, when, she said that. He said, will you go back? She said, I'll go back if you won't call him. He said, I won't call him. I'll tear this number up and I'll, I'll strike a match to it and I'll burn it so nobody will ever be able to. You go back. And she got to Cincinnati and called him and said, I'm coming home. He said, no, let me drive down from Columbus. Said, no, she said, I'm coming home on the Greyhound said, can you forgive me? He said, you're already forgiven. She said, but you don't. He said, you're forgiven. Just outside of Dayton, coming home, was a snowstorm, and the bus turned over, and she was killed. And in her pocketbook, they found the address in Columbus. They called him, and he came down, and he took her back to Columbus. He said, the undertaker, he said, we're going to bear he said, I want her wedding dress on. The white one she wore. She was clean and beautiful. Because to me, she never did leave me. To me, she'll live forever. And when he said that, he said, by the way, I don't want to put in the papers. I'm going to put the flowers. I'm going to bank that chapel with flowers. And the few that hear about it come will wonder why. And so the day of the funeral, they wondered Flowers everywhere, the beautiful casket, and a man standing over it while the preacher gave the message. Then they took her out and placed her in a beautiful hillside cemetery. Six months later, a man called and said, I sell gravestones. I understand your wife was buried. Would you like for me to erect a gravestone? And he said, I sure would. I tell you, I was down in Cincinnati the day, and coming out, I saw an angel that was carved. A beautiful angel. I want you to go out and buy it for me. I'll make one just like it. And so he went down and purchased it for me. Came back. And he said, Mister, I got it. I might have to charge you, but I got it. He said, Now, before I erect it out there, what do you want on the epitaph? That means down on her feet. What, when was she born? When did she get killed? He said, Mister, I don't want that under her feet. 
I don't want but one word under her feet. People will walk by and they'll never know. But I want you to engrave in big letters under her feet, forgiven. And said, when men and women walk by, they won't know who she is and they won't make fun of me. But she's been forgiven by me. Nineteen hundred years ago, the Holy Ghost came out and brought me in. And up in the sky, in the blood of Jesus, one word was over me. Forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. Thank God. Forgive them. Never head back if I close those eyes.